Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Here's something I know every woman can agree on. Stubborn belly fat can feel like the worst, especially when you've tried everything to lose it. Not to mention, belly fat can be dangerous for us too. According to a brand new study, women over 40 who have excessive belly fat are up to 20% more likely to suffer a heart attack. And no surprise, hormones are involved in belly fat production which is actually good news because we can optimize your hormones and metabolism for a flatter stomach. And that's exactly what I'm offering to you as a free gift today. My belly slim down guide gives you three effective strategies to get rid of belly fat, along with recipes to reduce bloating, balance your blood sugar, and speed up your metabolic furnace to optimize fat burning. So grab the belly slim down guide with my proven protocols and recommendations and recipes now at drmarisa.com slash slim down. That's drmarisa.com slash slim down. And the link will be in the show notes. Something that you may not know about me is that I drink alcohol pretty frequently and socially during my mid twenties, late twenties, and into my thirties. Now I actually didn't start drinking until way after college. I know that sounds a bit strange because most people I know start drinking in college. But back then, in high school and college, I was so astutious and so determined to get great grades that I would refuse any type of substance to hit my system so that I could continue to get good grades. But then over time, kind of around 24 years old, I was hanging out with a lot of friends. We lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, and there was always a really cool restaurant or a bar or a brunch spot. And we were having drinks, right? And so it integrated into my social landscape, especially on the weekends. Now, another caveat here was that in my mid to late 20s, I was a bartender while studying to be a doctor so that I could pay my mortgage and my other bills. I chose bartending because it was really good money and the hours worked with my grueling school and study schedule. Now, it was an exhausting four years and often to unwind, I had a drink with my coworkers after a shift. Now, I definitely drank more in those years than any other time in my life because alcohol was integrated into my life. It was literally my livelihood. I knew the best wines, the best champagnes, the best cocktails. I knew what drink would pair with different meals. I mean, that's how I made money and I was really good at it. I would go so far as to say that I loved having a drink with a nice meal, especially a really great champagne or an Italian red wine. But in my early to mid thirties, things started to change. Drinking alcohol, Even just a couple glasses of wine at night with dinner became disruptive to my health. I was putting on weight very quickly. My brain would feel very scrambled in the morning and I looked and felt puffy. Alcohol was one of the first things that I put aside to help restore my health in my 30s. I just knew that I needed a big break from it. It was actually my very first 28-day detox when I gave up alcohol for an extended period of time, right? The whole entire 28 days. And it was interesting because initially I thought that I would crave sugar during the detox because that's often what people do. They crave sugar or salty foods. But I remember one Friday night, I was out with my friends at one of my favorite Mexican restaurants. And although I wasn't having anything to eat or drink because none of it worked with the detox, I suddenly had a craving for a skinny margarita on the rocks with no salt. Everybody was ordering pictures of my favorite margarita. And I remember just sucking down tons of sparkling water with lime to kind of mimic the experience. 
Alcohol becomes such a big part of my social experience, especially with all the great restaurants and bars and places to hang out and have fun in San Francisco. It was something I seriously missed when I was on this 28-day detox. But it was abstaining from alcohol during those 28 days that really helped me to see that although alcohol had been a big part of my social experience, there were consequences that I hadn't really acknowledged until I took 28 days to get off alcohol entirely. See, without alcohol and the added sugar, I felt more clear, I felt more emotionally resilient, I felt lighter, and I felt on top of my game. No more kind of groggy mornings and feeling a bit blah and just trying to get through the day, right? And if I were to fast forward to today, when I look at the landscape of the last five to seven years of my life, I have abstained from drinking alcohol for more than a year on multiple occasions over the past seven years, especially between late 2019 and 2021. Honestly, I can count on my two hands how many times I had a drink since November 2019 till 2021. Like it it was very few drinks. And almost every time I did drink on those occasions, even if it was a small glass of champagne, I felt the consequences of drinking. I felt hazy, low energy, moody, and overall just off. Often the next day I would say to my husband, Alex, you know, drinking last night, just wasn't worth it. The juice was not worth the squeeze. So one of my goals this year as I was sitting down to write out my 2023 goals, which I always do the week before 2023 or the week before the new year, I committed to rarely drinking this year. And I also decided that I would carefully evaluate my drinking experience, particularly how it made me feel while I was drinking the drink and the day after. And the first time I drank this year was when we went to Hawaii last month in February. There was this restaurant that I love called Monkey Pod in Oahu, and it was right next to our hotel, and they are known for making some of the most amazing Mai Tais. And I'll be honest with you, I am a sucker for Mai Tais, which is super crazy because normally I am a champagne, red wine, and vodka soda kind of girl, but then I make this crazy exception for Mai Tais. So we're in Hawaii. I haven't had a drink for over a month and a half. And I decide that, you know what? It's time to celebrate. Let's have a couple of Mai Tais. So I actually only had about one and a half with dinner. And I started to assess my experience. And although the Mai Tais tasted exactly as I remember, they tasted amazing. I'm not going to lie. About a half hour to an hour after drinking, I just wasn't feeling it. They didn't enhance my experience or my conversation with Alex. Like they just weren't doing nothing good for me. If anything, I felt a little bit more agitated. I felt a bit more uncomfortable and just not my best self. And I continued to observe my body and how I felt for the rest of the evening into the next morning. And I also tracked my blood sugar, my sleep quality, my heart rate variability, and my overall recovery score as well. Now, I know these metrics because I look at these things all the time. And I have looked at those metrics before when drinking and they never looked very great. And sure enough, all of those biohacking health metrics that I look at every day just were in the crapper. They did not look good the next day. And even the following day for some of them, it was clear that not only did I feel pretty crappy with the 1.5 drinks, but many of my markers were affected in a negative way. And it was that next morning, um, we got up, we grabbed some smoothies, I got a really yummy almond milk coffee, And we went to the beach with Kingston and I had my little journal and I really just thought about it. And I decided that morning, the next day, 
that giving up alcohol the entire rest of the year was the best move for my overall metabolic health and well-being. Now, also I know that given my history with social drinking, that if I didn't make a strong declaration to myself that I could easily be persuaded to drink occasionally with a best friend, maybe have a mimosa for breakfast or have a, have a glass of red wine when we're going out on a, on a girl date, whatever that may be, and I knew that I would regret it. So I decided that taking it off the table made the most sense for me and I would reevaluate this decision heading into 2024. And I cannot tell you how many women share similar experiences with me, including friends and colleagues, that they simply just don't feel great when they're drinking anymore, right? It's hindering their health, it's hindering their productivity, even hindering their relationships in very subtle ways. And the latest data is clear. There is no safe amount of alcohol that your brain and liver can tolerate. Alcohol is a poison through and through. It's a neurotoxin and it significantly disrupts our hormones. For decades, public health officials have said one or two drinks a week are good for you, but the narrative on health risk for moderate drinking has shifted based on the new data. And it doesn't help that as we get older, the way that we were able to break down our alcohol in our liver is slowing down, right? Our liver just doesn't have the same capacity to quickly break down alcohol, and that causes issues for us as well. We used to be, you know, what we were able to tolerate in our 20s and even 30s, you just may not longer be able to tolerate without health consequences in your 40s or older. And it could even be earlier. It could be like me. Like I started to feel it in my early to mid 30s where I just knew that alcohol was playing a major adverse effect in my overall health. And in thousands of women that I've connected with over the years, they often feel a shift in their 30s and early 40s. Now it's become apparent that if you give your body an alcohol break for at least 14 to 30 days, then that's why dry January and dry February are so popular that your body just does so much better. And I think there, therein lies the dilemma is that so often we don't give alcohol up long enough to really feel the extended benefits, you know? So often when we, we are eating, you know, processed food, we're drinking alcohol, we're not sleeping super great, it may seem like the status quo is that you're kind of low-grade energy, you're kind of low-grade not feeling super great, and you're not exactly sure why. That just kind of feels like you're normal. But then when you start to adjust and, you know, either cut some of the things out like processed food and alcohol and up-level your sleep, all of a sudden you have this greater level of health that you hadn't experienced before. I'll tell you what, you try to bring back those stimuluses, you try to bring back crappy sleep, you try to bring back processed foods and alcohol, it will hit you like a ton of bricks. And that is exactly what I've been experiencing since I haven't been drinking pretty much at all, very rarely since 2019. Anytime I've introduced it back into my life, into my body, my body's like, that is a hell no. And yet, you know, you find yourself in these social experiences where your best friend is having a drink or everybody is having just a little bit of wine for Thanksgiving or whatever it may be. You're at Disneyland or you're at some kind of fun event and everyone's like sharing a couple glasses of champagne and you do it because in the moment it feels good. And then the, you know, a couple hours later or the next day, you really regret it. It just did not do you any favors. And, and I'm really speaking from my own personal experience because those are all experiences that I've had in the last year, let's say 2022, and I always regretted it the next day. But then, you know, months go by, there's another fun activity or event happening where everyone's having a really great time. I have a little bit more alcohol and bam, 
I'm back at square one feeling the exact same way. And so we're finding that, you know, when you give it up for longer periods of time, it really starts to show its ugly colors to you about the profound negative effects it's having on your body. Um, And although I realize this is a very unpopular opinion, I do want to dive a bit deeper into what happens to a woman's body or someone who identifies as a woman, because it's important to note that when it comes to everything biological, we are not tiny men. Alcohol affects us differently and not in a good way. Like we, we did not get the better, we got the short end of the stick when it came to the alcohol having effects on our body. One, women metabolize alcohol less effectively than men. We have slower rates of detoxification and lower volumes of total body water. For the same intake, women have higher blood alcohol concentrations compared to men, right? We've all seen this on like the the DMV little chart where men can have two drinks and we can have like one to one and a half, right? We, we This is very true. And as a result, women get buzzed and get drunk faster than men, even when adjusted for body weight because we have more fat and less water and there's other variations based on our menstrual cycle and our hormones. Number two, among people who develop alcohol use disorders, women progress more quickly from initial use to misuse than men, a phenomenon called telescoping. Women with a history of child maltreatment and trauma are at particular risk for telescoping far higher than seen in men. When drinking alcohol, our endocrine glands get impaired. And when I'm talking our ovaries, our adrenal glands, our thyroid gland, and drinking alcohol can impair the function of these glands that release hormones and the function of the tissues that are targeted by the hormones, which can result in medical problems, right? Cardiovascular disease, cardiometabolic risk factors, alcohol plays a big role here. When alcohol impairs our hormones' ability, our hormone system's ability to work properly, it can disrupt these major bodily functions listed here, which is growth and development, maintenance of blood pressure and bone mass, production, utilization, and storage of energy, so mitochondrial energy, and reproduction. Now, another big concern is the impact that alcohol has on our blood sugar balance. As you know, the main energy source for all body tissue is glucose. The body gets glucose from food, from the synthesis in our mitochondria, and from the breakdown of glycogen, which is stored in our liver. Now, the body's blood sugar levels are controlled by insulin and glucagon, hormones secreted by the pancreas. Now, they work together to maintain a constant concentration of glucose in the blood, because that's how it works. Now, insulin lowers blood glucose levels while glucagon raises blood glucose levels. Now, other hormones from the adrenal glands and the pituitary gland back up the function of glucagon to make sure that the body's glucose level doesn't fall low enough to cause fainting, passing out, or even brain damage, right? The brain just gobbles up glucose, so we want to make sure that we have enough of it in the bloodstream. Now, alcohol actually interferes with all three sources of glucose and interferes with the hormones that regulate glucose levels. There are many ways alcohol consumption affects the body's glucose levels because alcohol is known to, one, augment insulin secretion, causing temporary hypoglycemia, inhibit glucose production while alcohol is being metabolized, impair hormonal response to hyperglycemia with heavy consumption, and limit the intake of glucose by not eating properly when drinking. Now, chronic heavy drinking can increase the body's glucose levels over time. A review published in 2015 reported that chronic heavy drinking can cause glucose intolerance in healthy people. It also can cause an alt effectiveness of medications for diabetes, cause for both hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia episodes in alcoholics, increased secretion of glucagon and other hormones that raise glucose levels, lower survival rates for alcoholics with diabetes, and reduce the body's responsiveness to insulin. To summarize, 
Alcohol consumption over time leads to metabolic dysfunction and inflammation, and a side effect on this is belly fat and stubborn weight. So if you ever notice that you're consistently drinking red wine every single night or a couple cocktails here and there, that you start to put on that belly fat, definitely that visceral belly fat, um, because it's messing with our metabolic function, most importantly, the way that we are leveraging blood sugar levels. Now, the other thing that's super important is that alcohol feeds into metabolic dysfunction through estrogen dominance. As we know, women make estrogen a primary switch in the female body, right? One of our biggest hormone players. And estrogen creates breasts and hips, and it's also a growth factor, and it can turn on inflammation and abnormal growth, causing breast cancer, endometrial cancer, diabetes, fibroids, even endometriosis. So when we look at alcohol, specifically beer, wine, and bourbon, all have and contain phytoestrogens that can raise a woman's estrogen load regardless of her age, putting at risk for estrogen-sensitive conditions like fibroids, migraines, bloating, low energy, and weight gain. And probably the most concerning is the rise of alcohol misuse in women. Historically, alcohol misuse and also known as ADU have been more common in men than women. However, in recent years, for the past two, 10 years, we are absolutely catching up. Um, and furthermore, the alcohol industry specifically targets women in their marketing campaigns and wants to normalize alcohol consumption so that you feel a core part of feeling good um, and connected to others is driven through alcohol. And I can definitely relate to that. Like I have felt so connected to having mimosas with my girls over brunch. I've been so connected to, you know, celebrating champagne with a bestie when she has a big win. Um, and, you know, winding, wine down. I can't tell you how many wine downs I had with women over pizza and wine at night, connecting over girl issues, you know what I'm saying? And so absolutely, I have fed into this marketing. The whole concept of the wind down is doing us no favors. If you've been feeling run down, numb, stressed, and you know something is off, I encourage you to consider giving up alcohol at least for 14 days, ideally longer, maybe even 28 days. Like I love that there's dry Januarys and dry Februarys because it gives us space. It, gets, it gives us our body's opportunity to really heal and restore from all that alcohol consumption, even if it's just a couple drinks a week, to give you a sense of what it feels like to not have alcohol in the system. We know that alcohol literally clogs your liver, hinders your detox pathways, makes you puffy and resistant to weight loss. So there are a couple recommendations that I do wanna make about alcohol cravings um, outside of just giving it up cold turkey for two plus weeks, right? So here's some things I recommend even to kind of just lessen the amount of alcohol you're having. One, always have sparkling water on hand with lime or lemon, or maybe right now what's in season is blood oranges, um, and have something that you can sip on, right? I have my Stanley cup right here. It's got a little bit of passion iced tea. Um, it's unsweetened, and it's got sparkling water with some lime squeezed into it, and I take it everywhere with me, and it's so helpful. Always keep some peppermint oil on hand if cravings hit, especially if you're out with friends. Peppermint can stave off sugar and alcohol cravings, and it'll also boost your energy and boost your mental game. Um, I personally love, because one of the things I'm working on too is, is having Alex drink a little bit less as well. So we have a few non-alcoholic adaptogenic drinks in the house. One of my favorites is Kin Euphorics, K-I-N-E-U-P-H-O-R-I-C-S. They are amazing mocktails that have very low to no sugar in them. Um, and I often add them to sparkling water with some citrus. 
We just had a dinner party last night and nobody drank any wine, although people brought wine to the party. Um, we served up fun Kenyuforic beverages. I had these really beautiful um, big wine glasses and I put sparkling water. I did a half of the Kenyuforic and I forget, it was like spring bloom, I think, and it had all these beautiful yummy adaptogens in it. It just feels like a spritz. Um, and then I added a little bit of lime and some blood orange and they were so yummy and bubbly. And each of those glasses had less than one gram of sugar um, and everyone loved them. They were a hit. Now, I'm not going to lie. They're not the cheapest little non-alcoholic beverage. They're like $3.25 per can. But when you mix it up with sparkling water and you only drink half, like you share half with you and your partner, it ends up breaking down to like, you know, less than $2 a drink. And it's, it's great for special occasions, like a little dinner party or maybe Friday night or a Sunday wind down, like these types of little beverages are really cool. And there's a lot of companies making beverages like this. I just find Kinuforex one of my favorite brands. Also, I recommend not keeping alcohol in the house because like anything, whether it's processed food or it's candy or it's alcohol, if it's in the house, it's very tempting to just quickly make a drink. Um, have an accountability buddy to support you. So I have told all my friends, like all my besties, all my girls, Everybody knows that alcohol is off the table for the rest of the year, and it's just nice to get buy-in from friends and family and to get support. Everyone was so supportive. Obviously, I haven't been drinking for so many years now, except for very rare occasions that it wasn't a big deal. But again, it's just nice to have that support. And then if you're super craving that cocktail, that, that margarita, that glass of wine at night, a tablespoon of MCT oil in the afternoon can avoid cravings and that first glass of wine at like happy hour, right? So based on anecdotal research, MCT oil raises healthy short-chain fatty acids in the body, which makes you feel more satisfied when you're preparing dinner or when you're going out with friends so that you don't find yourself having that craving. So I hope that these tips were helpful. If you choose to give yourself a break or even just cut down a little bit, um, because I know that your gut and your liver will be grateful too. Again, thank you so much for listening to this show. I hope that this episode was insightful and that you gained some clarity and some tools. Um, it was really nice to be able to share my story with you because I know so many women are in the same boat that I am right now. And it felt so good to just give it up cold turkey for a full year and then reevaluate and see where I'm at. If you loved the episode or got some great value out of it, be sure to subscribe for the show and rate it uh, so that more women are tuning in to become the CEO of their own health. Until the next episode, have an amazing day. Bye.